What's up, everybody? Welcome to Frigid, San Diego County, the wet and wild West Coast. I'm John Browner, as always, joined by my co-host and comedian extraordinaire, Jason Lawhead. We are Browner and Lawhead coming to you live on the Mightier 1090 ESPN as you make your way home from your job or, or whatever it is you do. We are happy to hear from you, as always. Find the show via podcast or via YouTube at uh, Kaplan and Crew. We are part of Great Friends Podcast Network. Jason, you look cold, my brother. I'm cold, man. I mean, I know it's it, uh, it's pathetic to complain. Rel- relative, relative, right? Like it, it's pathetic to complain when you you live in San Diego and you see the kind of weather that goes around. But man, that's why I moved here to not be cold. <laughs> and it's been cold, man. It's just been like. Just uncomfortably cold and wet and damp and rainy and it's like come on. In 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 the weather's defense, this is cuddle weather. This is weather it that is. you get to snuggle up next to the it is warm. cuddle weather. So yeah, my wife husband. has been my wife has been cuddling with our two cats. And oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm oh. trying to sneak in there. I'm trying to get in there. I'm trying to wedge my way in. But what, uh, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so over the NFL weekend, we have a ton of information to go over. We won't even get to basketball today. We probably won't even get to basketball tomorrow. Uh, we got the national championship game coming up. We're going to pay off our checklist that we're going to start doing Wednesday to Monday. Uh, some coaches got fired. One coach in particular gave his team a magnificent middle finger on his way out the door. We'll get into that. But I want to start with the Chargers and Brandon Staley. I have... I'm a fan of the Chargers. I know, obviously, how things go in this city. The roller coaster that people are on, some people are off, some people are still on it. When the Chargers hired Brandon Staley, this looked like one of, another one of these young hires where this guy was smart and he was going to take the team in a direction. He was going for it on fourth down. Herbert was throwing 50 times a game, and it looked like, whoa, this thing was dynamic. He was brought in for defense, and he took a top-five defense and made it the 30th-ranked defense. So that was alarming. He then started – the boat started leaking when he called a timeout last year against the Raiders, which Rich Passaccia basically wink, wink, and said, we weren't going to call a timeout. We were just going to take the tie. That started me down the road of, does this guy know what he's doing? Because now I'm not sure. So the Chargers played in a meaningless game yesterday meaningless it didn't matter whether they won or lost the position was still going to be the same they were going to be the fifth seed they're going to play the, t- the winner of the afc south it didn't matter what happened after the ravens lost by the time the Chargers played it didn't matter brandon staley played his starters up until the fourth quarter some of them up until the fourth quarter i say some of them because mike williams was carted off the field joey bosa appears to have re-injured his hamstring your starting linebacker got a stinger in his neck and had to be taken off the field. And I, at this point, the question had to be asked to him, well, why are you playing these guys? His response was, we had 48 guys and we had to field the team. Which, that's a terrible answer. Because so did the New York Giants. And they started three guys on their normal starting rotation out of 22 
because the game was meaningless to them. So this gets me into a corner with him because I want the Chargers to win. I want them to be successful because I like Herbert. What this is also telling me is he might not be equipped for this position. He's a young coach. He didn't have a lot of experience coming in, and it starts to show when you get to situations like this where he doesn't play his guys in preseason at all, but this is basically a glorified preseason game at the end of the year, and you basically might have lost two guys for a playoff game the following week. What's your read on this, Jason? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, you know, it's one of those things where he says uh, something to the effect that he wants to keep the momentum going. And like you said, it, this win or loss doesn't do anything for them. They're going to either Jacksonville or Tennessee. And well, at that point that when they played, it was Jacksonville. they were already going to Jacksonville because they won on Saturday night. So they're going to Jacksonville. They're going to a team they played before that humbled them very, very much early in the season. And, you know, you've got to win three road games if you're going to get to the Super Bowl. You got to go through Jacksonville. Presumably, you have to go through KC. And then presumably, you're going to have to go through either Cincinnati or Buffalo. Right? I mean, the AFC stacked. When it, when it goes to the, it's three teams in the AFC, maybe the Chargers, because they've got Herbert and they've got some, they've got some talent. And, you know, anything going to happen in football. But right now, the AFC is a class of three teams because they've got – and with the Chargers, with, with Herbert, because you've got those four top-notch quarterbacks playing great football. And when you look at those three teams, uh, and you look at those fourth team, the Chargers, stay, it's a, the, the big significant drop-off is at the head coaching position. You know, I mean, the job Zach Taylor's done in Cincinnati, the great. job McDermott's done in Buffalo – Obviously, Andy Reid's a shortlist legend in the game. When you look at over 200 career wins, the Super Bowl championship, the the, the this the jaw dropping record in Kansas City, and what they were before he arrived, and the the just dynasty he's built at least in the AFC West. I mean, he's just mm -hmm. keeps putting you know title after title in that division on the mantle. And then you've got you know the Chargers, who should be sitting here, and if anything. What what a great game to get your backup quarterback some reps because everybody knows everybody's one hit away playoff games historically quarterbacks have been knocked out of playoff games historically you know the long season takes its toll the uptick of that energy that goes into a playoff game more defenses you go on that attack it's a one and done style they're gonna blitz more they're gonna put more pressure on you you know third and third and longs all those types of things just they become so much more just significant and palatable and so you know what a game to get your your your, your backup quarterback in there for a start, get him some reps, or even if it was just the first quarter, you just want to make sure, you know, you, you, Herbert gets out there and gets some reps before, uh, you know, you don't want to give him a bye week. I understand that, but but get your backup quarterback in there and get him a lot of reps just Live in case. Bullet. Just in case, because you're still a good enough team. If Herbert did get knocked out, but it wasn't severe, but he, he maybe he couldn't return, you can still beat Jacksonville on the road if you put a good enough game together, even if maybe Herbert got banged up. So these are little things, I think, that, you know, some of the really good coaches look at things and go, hey, if we can't move, if nothing's going to move here um, and we already know our opponent, let's sit down and start mapping out 
what we can do to get other guys involved, to get them ready, to get them confident, to maybe have to, you know, it's always that next man up idea. Well, mm -hmm. um, started a little early. I was really surprised. I was really surprised, but it's that mentality, go for everything on fourth down. Like you said, a lot of the decisions he's made in the last couple of years that has kind of kneecapped his team's ability to, to get a little farther or maybe be a little better. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. And when you look at strength of victory, strength of schedule, they're at the bottom of this list among all playoff teams. You're going to go into a confident Jacksonville team that already beat them. Um, who, Mike Williams, is he, what's the prognosis? I didn't even see any update on Mike Williams. Is he going to be able to play next week? Is he going to be able to be a hundred percent or what's going on? I think one of the things that we are recognizing and or seeing right here at this point is there's a very high level of disconnect in that organization. Because if I'm the general manager, I picked these players and I gave them to you to coach them up. This is, a, this is not about coaching. This is about preservation. So if I'm the general manager, I need to step in at this point. And I need to go down in that locker room and say, hey, uh, it's halftime. What are you doing? We don't need these, these guys with injury histories. We don't need them on the field. We don't need Mike Williams on the field. At that point, he had already been hurt. We don't need Joey Bosa on the field. At that point, he had already been hurt. Yep. Now, now, I need you to take Derwin James off the field. I need you to take Khalil Mack out of the game. I need you to take Justin Herbert out of the game. And I need you to take Keenan Allen out of the game immediately. You know what? I'll do you one better. I'm going to go tell them they're done for the day. You figure out the rest. Because now you're going to put us in a hole that we may not need to have been in. But there shows there's a level of disconnect and a lack of planning in that organization. Because was there no plan to talk about what we're going to do if the Ravens lose and now we don't need this game? Because it seems like they had a plan that, oh, we're playing this way no matter what. Ravens win or lose, we're playing this way no matter what. And I get that for a quarter. Hell, I get that till halftime. But to have these guys in the game in the third quarter after guys had already been hurt, it, it didn't it didn't make any it it it, it reeked of disconnect, dysfunction, and, and lack of experience from the coaching staff, lack of experience, and dysfunction and disconnect from the front office to the coaching staff. And it, it, it they look bad now. Across the league, they look bad. Yeah. And you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Like the guy that yeah. doesn't want to come out the most in NFL history is Tom Brady. I mean, you talk about a guy that wants to be on the field more than anybody in the history of the game is Tom Brady. And what does they what do they do? They let him play for a quarter, quarter and a half, and they get him and they sit him down. And Brent Blaine Gabbert comes in and finishes the game because that's the smart thing to do. It wasn't because Tom Brady's older. It's just because it's the smart thing to do. You were able to make sense of the idea that Tom Brady, I mean, this guy does not want to leave the field. But guess what? He's even smart enough to go, you're right. Let me just get out there and get a couple of reps so I'm not totally cold going into next week with, with probably the Cowboys coming in. And then let, let Blaine Gabbert get a few, you know, a few quarters under his belt just in case. And, and so, and even in addition to that, and this is where we can spin this one into the next one. The Chicago Bears knew to lose. Mm -hmm. Like, they knew. Like, I've, I've watched every Bear game this year. They knew to lose that game. Nate Peterman started, dare I say, cooking against the Vikings. And the Bears coaching staff went, uh, what are you doing?
out. You're out. Yeah. You're out. The guy who they put in threw an interception right away. Mm-hmm. They're like, that's what we want. Valius Jones, who's been terrible all year, re- did a, a nice little touchdown run. They looked at him and went, you're out. Like, they weren't playing around. We're losing yeah. this game, period. The Texans, on the other hand. Love it. I, I think I have reached a point where I now hate someone more than I hate the Packers. And it is the Houston Texans as an organization. The city of Houston is heard to be beautiful. So I'm cool with that. The Houston Texans, on the other hand, might be the award-winning uh, uh, new dysfunctional organization. For them to fire Lovey Smith after one year, after previously firing the other coach after one year, hiring a guy who had been the oldest hire in the history of the NFL for head coach. And by no coincidence are both these two black men because the Houston Texans were supposed to hire uh, uh, Josh McCown and they didn't because Brian Flores sued them. And they were part of the lawsuit because he said they gave him a token interview because they knew they were going to hire Josh McDaniels. And when all this blew up in their face, they hired Levy Smith because they couldn't hire Josh McDaniels. And now here we are a year later. You've now fired two coaches without giving them any talent, any quarterback, no draft picks, and a dysfunctional organization, and no chance to build anything. No wonder Deshaun Watson looked around and said, I won't play another down for this organization. Right. If I never play again, it won't be for y'all. Right. And they were getting better as the season went on. I mean, they should have beat Dallas late in the year. They should have beat Kansas City late in the year. They beat Tennessee late in the year. They yeah. they they went out there. I mean, they kept playing hard and getting better with a with a lot of just terrible terrible talent on that football team and disorganization, like you said, from the top down uh, after leaving, you know, losing Watson. Uh, you know, J.J. Watt. I mean, you're talking about like um, some marquee player, some marquee players, you know, and Lubby kept them at least engaged. He kept the teams, you know, playing uh, good football um, against good opponents that were playing for, you know, seedings and their playoff lives. And the Chiefs are playing for the number one seed and Dallas is playing to, to stay in the top of the division. And these, I mean, they should have won these games. They reason they lost those games is because they just didn't have the talent to finish those games. Right. Um, But I mean, you know, you look at, you know, you look at Houston, where do they go? What, who do they go get? What do you do next? Like, if Lovey Smith, you know, trying to put something together for you, you know, you would have got an you know, you're going to get a what, a number two pick now. If Lovey would have felt comfortable about coming back, he maybe they, he would have worked his way into the number one pick. One, two, three. It really doesn't matter in the NFL once you get those, unless there's just some player that everybody right, unless Peyton Manning wants. or Andrew Luck yeah. is at the top. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's one every four or five drafts, maybe. Um, so, but what do you do? Like, where do you go? I mean, I just don't get it. Like you, you, you fire a guy like that, and you, you know, you see some of these other, but, but like, you know, Jeff Saturday's a head coach in the NFL. You sit there and you go, what? Like, give me a break. I, so, 
I feel bad. Hey, I, as a Browns fan, I'm hope they they bring Lovey in and, and give him the defensive coordinator job or or Flores. They're going to be interviewing him. But hey, it, it, you know, like we we talked earlier, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Lovey Smith's mm-hmm. going to go somewhere and help a football team, whether it's DC or or whatever, and he's going to help them get better. And he's a good coach. Lovey Smith's a good coach, and he's there to coach. I thought the biggest. I don't want to call it a black eye because it just, you know, I, I, the, the real interesting tendency of what the Texans have become is a massive mark of top down problems. Like you fired two coaches with no plan. If your plan was to hire Josh McCown, I don't care what anyone says. Because that's happened before too. Jeff Saturday did that. Uh, it, who? I think somebody else hired a coach without doing the Rooney Rule as well. Like if that's your guy, pay the penalty because this is my guy. I don't. I'm not gonna waste someone else's time interviewing them because I don't want them. I want this guy. Own it. Yeah. So for for them to have token hired Lovey Smith and to have fired him. By the way, it is being reported that the icing on the cake is why they fired him because he won the game. Did you see the last two plays? That was a Hail Mary. It went, The ball went through the yeah. defender's hands. Yeah. It was a miracle that that happened. So what were you expecting him to tell the players to do? To come out and lay down? Fumble on purpose, which the, it looked like the coach did a couple times. Like, the game was crazy. It was a crazy game between two really bad teams. This is what you get. Unpredictability. A 50-yard Hail Mary on fourth and 20 that goes through the defender's hands. That's what those teams give you. So, if I'm Levy Smith, I'm so glad I won that game. I'm so glad because here I am busting my backside for this team that you've given me no time. Davis Mills is my quarterback. Who he? <laughs> and I end up pulling out a win for these guys to feel good about something going into the next year if any of them even will be here. I've given these guys, I've given Davis Mills a Hail Mary win on his record. I've given these guys good film to find other jobs if we don't want them. That goes over well with the players. And for this for this owner, I'll be polite, to then fire him and have that be part of the reason? Come on, man, listen. Cliff Kingsbury got fired because that just ain't working out. Right. This that didn't was... even get a chance to work out. After the offseason, you know, the training cap, everything going into the, into the early season, Cliff Kingsbury was on a you better get to the playoffs or else. The ownership group put him in a bad space with that whole study con study clause contract thing. That was they that, did. That, this, this was a wrap from the beginning for him. Yeah, I mean, it was if you don't go to the playoffs, we're firing you. I mean, right. I don't care whether they finish with four wins. I don't care if they would finish would have finished eight and nine, and you could have looked at a couple of games here. He was going to get fired, right? Uh, unless they went to the playoffs, especially after that playoff showing last year, everything that happened in the off season, and then this spiral. Uh, that went down the tubes and you, and you look around at the division and you go, I mean, the defending Super Bowl champs, they went in the toilet. How did we finish below them if they went in the toilet? Right. 
you know, how, how is Geno Smith and the Seahawks going to the playoffs? And, and we, here we, we are with a franchise quarterback wins. So I knew I kind of had a feeling through midseason. We had to talk about it. I just was like, I mean, I know they owe him a lot of money. I said that in the middle of the season, but I mean, I don't know how you continue with, I, I get the Cliff Kingsbury firing. I, I, I mean, in a sense, when you sit there and then you look at the long-term payout to this guy, you still, you scratch your head. I mean, what a gig, huh? What a gig get paid through 2027 to not have to coach oh. the Arizona Cardinals. That might be the best gig in sports. I think in addition to that, you now you're now saddled with Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. a guy who doesn't appear fat. He's like Zach Wilson at this point. Yeah. I like playing football, but I got other stuff I like mm-hmm. equally. Those guys don't those guys don't make it. Cause you need you get to be one hundred percent in on football or not at all. Like we're one hundred percent into this show. And when we come back, last week we played a game called the checklist. And now we're going to reward you on the other end of this when we come back. Brown and Lawhead, Mightier 1090 ESPN. Brown and Lawhead here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. Thank you guys for coming back to us. As you all know, we are Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. And if you didn't know that, that means you're new to us. So welcome. John Browner, Jason Lawhead. We like to break down sports at this point in the time of the day. We have a belief. We have belief. By the time you get to us, you already know what you want to know about sports. We are just having fun with it. We're just talking opinions about it. So we're not breaking anything down. I mean, we wish we could live chat this national championship game. But a lot of y'all know we recorded this at 1 o'clock. So mm-hmm. we would have to see it in the future. I don't I don't necessarily know how the national championship is going or going to go. But I will tell you this. I think at this point when the game is on, it'll probably be over. So we'll, we'll, we'll mark this. Uh, we are what, a minute into the second half of the show. <laughs> By the time this airs at 6.40, the game will probably be it'll 30 be, to 7. It'll be D probably well into the third quarter. It'll probably be 30 to 7. I believe this game is going to be a crusher. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a nail-biter like the Ohio State-Georgia game or like the Michigan-TCU game. I think this one's going to be over. I think it's going to be over with quick. I don't know about that. I mean, I know, uh, we'll, you know, when you look at the way uh, – here's the big thing. And it's it's it was the formula to Ohio State. TCU has to get a lead. They have to get a lead in the football game somewhat early. They I don't think they can be down at half and play from behind. I do like the way TCU was able to play Michigan. I like the way Ohio State was able to play Georgia. But if Ohio if Georgia can get, gets that two touchdown lead or two possession lead, it's going to be very difficult for TCU to play from uphill against this team. Um, however, you know, they looked really good. They looked really organized. They looked very game planned against Michigan. Um, and uh, Georgia, uh, you know, Georgia's defense didn't look as impressive as we've seen it throughout the year against Ohio state. Right. I mean, they made a, they made great fourth quarter adjustments. Like I said, they went, when he, when he called timeout on that fake punt, I thought that shifted the whole momentum of the game and brought uh, Georgia kind of within that chance to win the, win the football game in the fourth quarter. And they did what they had to do. Um, so Georgia has obviously the advantages. They have the advantages of getting out early and being able to hold that lead. They still have the advantages of being able to lock down in a fourth quarter, even if they're down 11, 14 points 
But I don't know if this is going to be such a blowout. I like Sonny Dykes. I think the quarterback, Dugan, is tough. I think TCU proved against Michigan that they belonged in this Final Four. I still like Georgia to win it, obviously. It's going to take a, a, a heck of a, a heck of a game by TCU. I think TCU is going to have the type of game, if they're going to win this, it's going to be the type of game that we talk about for years after. If TCU wins this game, because uh, I got a $1 bet with Alex that they get blown out. Okay. If Max Duggan wins this game, he's the number one pick. Mm. I'm, I'm well, he can't be because the Bears, the Bears, the Bears. He's the number one quarterback taken. Uh, maybe I'll believe I'll believe that. But the Bears are going to trade. Maybe, and if the Texans, far. if the Texans would have had the number one pick, you're probably right. The Chicago Bears are going to trade that pick. The Chicago Bears will not be picking number one. They need you don't way think too pick many number days. one. Okay, absolutely not. Okay. They do. Uh, Michael Strahan, uh, Reggie White. Uh, 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 what's it? Lawrence Taylor ain't in his draft. Yeah, they're trading those picks, man. They okay. have a quarterback, they mm-hmm. need to fill holes at this point. So, a quarterback will be taken number one, it will not be by the Chicago Bears. And for that reason, I think if Max Duggan wins this game, he will have yeah. a Zach Wilson like rise in the draft where people start going, Well, look at these throws he made, and he'll have tape of beating Georgia where Zach Wilson had no such thing. I mean, if he beats Michigan and Georgia's defense back-to-back, yeah, that'd be a hard hard, hard guy to stay away from, even if you have some, you know, little disagreements about him, yeah. Look at what he did for C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud was a good prospect. What After what he did to T.C., I mean, to to Georgia, Mm -hmm. it started getting people going, well, C.J. Stroud might be the number one pick when people have believed it had been Bryce Young for a year and a half at this point. Mm -hmm. So if if Max Duggan wins this game, the articles written about his NFL prospects will absolutely skyrocket. And for me, I, I think Georgia will win. I hope Max Duggan balls out because that makes that pick worth more. So I have a, a undercover rooting interest. I, I'm, I'm rooting for TCU for the mere fact that it would be, it would be good for the college football playoff. That's for very TCU true. to win this thing, to be able to outlook it and all the criticisms, you know, from the last week of the college season and that month layoff and everybody gone, well, TCU, I mean, Alabama, these guys should have been in it or whoever. This team's better. They're not. And this would be great for the college football playoff, especially going forward with 12 teams, because then you can kind of feel like, you know, I would say that this would be the first since they've implemented the college football playoff, if TCU would, this would be the first or at least the closest to a Cinderella story winning, you know, um, uh, the, the college football playoffs, because usually it's been always the blue bloods and the big mm-hmm. programs that have gone down to those final two games. And even if the, 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 the underdog has won, they're not really an underdog. They were just, they Correct. were just, a, they just were getting points. They were either Clemson getting points from Alabama or what underdogs so, from a betting perspective, right? They were underdogs from a betting perspective, but this would truly be an underdog, you know, Sonny Dykes coming in, re restilling a little tradition to the program that had, had lost its luster over the last 10 years and being a team that a lot of people thought even at 11 and one losing to Kansas state shouldn't have been there, yada, yada. So uh, it would be big and it would be great for the college football playoff in the long run going forward. And especially when they're going to be going to 12 teams for 
them to say, hey, TCU was able to go in there and beat Michigan and they didn't, nobody thought they could beat, beat Georgia who thought everybody thought they were unbeatable, unsinkable. So that would be great. So I'm kind of pulling for TCU in this game, even though I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, and I like the I like the Doug kid. I like watching him, so I'm excited to watch it tonight. I'm excited for y'all. And by y'all, I mean the listener. Because check this out. At time, the mm-hmm. NFL playoff picture is locked in and may go to a place for the wild card round action in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting, sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to the Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $250 and will get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new existing customers can get the no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place an NFL bet over your choice, and if it loses, you get the free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why not bet the NFL playoffs anywhere? Now, DraftKings, the sportsbook app, and use code GREATFRIENDS. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app, use the code GREATFRIENDS, New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code word GREATFRIENDS. And Jason, your favorite part about gamblers is what? That if you have a problem, you have to call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bang. Is that what it is? 1-800-GAMBLER? Is that it? I I think. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. They do all that. They sell it all. And if you have a problem, call (laughs) 1-800-GAMBLER. Gambling problem. Oh, wait, is it call 8778 Hope in Y slash text Hope in Y? That's in New York, though. But if you are anywhere else, like Los Angeles, Southern California, it's 1 800 426 2537. So there you go. It is 1 800 Gambler still, though, if you're in Los Angeles. If you're in New York, I don't know why they, sw- yeah, they switched in New York, whatever. Um, so we did a little thing on Wednesday, on last Wednesday, that we're going to start doing to kind of close out the show. And it's called the checklist. I'm going to make a graphic and a little everything. The checklist is something that we predict will happen next week by the time you hear from us again. I picked the thing. Jason picked the thing. Jason, since you were correct, I'll allow you to go first and explain what yeah. happened with your checklist. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, we had the uh, we had the checklist and I, 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 we saw the, one of the more kind of intriguing matchups uh, of the weekend going into the NFL was the the winner take all uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee game. Tennessee kind of perennially, perennially lately, at least being the kind of the uh, the owner of that AFC South division. Jacksonville had that great start and that kind of died and looked like they came down to earth. And, you know, Doug Peterson got that team back into uh, a winning form and they were able to end strong they won some games against some pretty good teams throughout the year um and i just liked i liked the you know i liked the jags i said jags were going to go in and they were going to win this game at home uh with, with i i just thought that they had the you know, obviously they had the quarterback advantage and um they played the kind of game to win it, trevor lawrence didn't play the greatest game but they were able to neutralize derrick henry they were able to get after uh, Tennessee's offense, and that's the team. That's the game right there. The, the blueprint for them to beat uh, the Chargers and to do anything, if they're going to surprise anybody in the playoffs, is that game they played against Tennessee. That was a playoff type of win because it was playing for their playoff lives against a team doing the same. And twenty to sixteen, those are the kind of those are the kind of games you're going to scratch out. And that's kind of how I saw it. I saw the game that, and I'm I'm proud of myself. Go Jags. Not against the Chargers, though. Well, 
I don't. Care. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna visit this for a quick second. I think I think the Chargers are gonna win, but if the Chargers don't win, the Jags have the perfect recipe to go to the Super Bowl. They have the perfect recipe to do exactly what Cincinnati did last year. Their talent is just in different areas. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow really had a connection, and that's what kind of drove that offense into the Super Bowl. The Jaguars are more well-rounded, but they have a quarterback, the same pedigree as Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick. ETN is a great running back. They also have what Cincinnati did not have last year. Trayvon Walker is a he is a bona fide number one pick. I didn't I didn't think so when they took him, but he has proven himself to be a bona fide number one pick. There, Josh Allen, not the quarterback, but the defensive player has also been fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. So they're very well-rounded, and they seem to have found the rhythm under Doug Peterson, a guy who has taken a wild-card team to the Super Bowl and won the thing. Mm -hmm. With a backup quarterback. If they can get past the Chargers, man, I know the road seems far more difficult because you got to beat Josh Allen. You got to beat Patrick Mahomes. You got to beat Joe Burrow. You got to. You might have to beat Lamar Jackson. You want to. You're going to have to beat Justin Herbert to start the thing. So I. I think. I mean, that's a quarterback murderous row, man. And and I. We'll see how they do, uh, going forward. But that's my little two cents on that. Yeah, and Etne uh, and Etne has been great, right? You need a running back that can go in there and just pound the ball when you need to during a playoff game, especially on the road. You got to have a running back on the mm-hmm. road. You got to. So if they were able to get by the Chargers, you know, you might be able to catch Kansas City in a bye week kind of down spot, and you got to have a running game. Oh, you got because the only way you get you beat Patrick Mahomes is keeping that offense off the field as much as you can. And if and if you if Etna can run for a hundred and change, and Lawrence can convert some third downs, yeah, I mean, anything can happen. They're a scrappy team, man. They're a scrappy team. And as much as we all love Kansas City, they've been beat at home. Sure. <laughs> Through, uh, I think two out of the last three times mm-hmm. to go to the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. it, it, if any place it can happen for you, it can happen for you in Kansas City. Um, I unfortunately chose Dana White due to the nasty issue he had with his wife at a club in Mexico, all filmed. This isn't something someone wrote about. We showed the video last week. Um, all filmed. So I got to tell you, I thought the UFC would do the right thing. Now, I understand he's in charge, but he has a boss because the UFC was purchased by a capital investment group. I thought that they would do the right thing and and have a conversation with him to step down. That has not occurred. What I got to tell you I'm more upset with is Stephen A. Smith's behavior in regards to this. I've seen Stephen A. Smith be wildly overly harsh to Kyrie Irving. I've -hmm. seen him do it to Ben Simmons. I've seen him do it to uh, LeBron at times. I've seen him do it to Kevin Durant. I've seen him do it to Colin Kaepernick. I've seen him do it to Lamar Jackson. I've seen him, and I'm only naming these people because these are the people who who are coming to mind. I'm not saying this is a black or white thing at all, none. Those are just the people who came to mind. Dana White is a friend of Stephen A. Smith. And if your friends cannot respect you calling them out in a public space in the business in which both these two men operate, I don't know who can. And Stephen A. Smith, who never misses an opportunity 
to do the right thing from a television perspective. Dropped the ball on this, man. He literally dropped the ball on this. Now, I don't know if ESPN came out and told people don't write about, uh, don't talk about this, because they did tell their MMA writers not to write about this. And the people, the writers put on Twitter, we were told by ESPN not to write about the Dana White situation. So that's not me making that up. That's a real thing. And I don't know if they told Stephen A. Smith not to, not to burn him down because they're partners with ESPN. But if this was a football player or an NFL owner or an NBA player who had publicly slapped his wife multiple times, that person would be railroaded and on a massive amount of suspension and fine. But for whatever reason, Dana White has escaped this. And I think he's escaped this because there's zero public pressure on the UFC to do the right thing. Well, it's funny that Stephen A. Smith, the finger wagger of all finger waggers, right? Bows down to a guy who not long ago was publicly finger wagging anyone that would put their hands on a woman. And that's Dana mm-hmm. White. There's no reason. I, there's no excuse. I don't care what. There's no excuse. I mean, there is videotape of Dana White telling the world how it is. And you never for no reason, no excuse ever put your hands on a woman anybody in the ufc ever does that they're done i mean he literally said that exact words almost 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 a darn same quote as i just did in so many other words or whatever and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why anybody else in any other sport no matter who they are would have been put to the cold and they would have their life would have been under the microscope and all this other stuff. And there would have been digging and digging and digging on any other reports and any other times and any other instances, if he would have done it in the past or even come close to doing it because Dana white is bigger than the UFC. Nobody else is bigger than baseball. Nobody else is bigger than football. Nobody else is bigger than basketball. The sport itself is always bigger. Conor McGregor, as big as he was probably the most notable personality in the history of the MMA, UFC, whatever you want to, Dana White's still bigger. Dana White is the sport. There isn't superstars in the UFC, couple, one, two, maybe, right? Doesn't matter how many superstars there are in the NFL. Doesn't matter how many superstars there are in the NBA. The sport is always way bigger. But the UFC, it's Dana White's. Yeah. And if he goes away, if Dana White goes away, there isn't enough stars. There's enough there isn't enough compelling people, compelling characters. There isn't enough, you know, the the the, the fights nights aren't always live up to the hypes, right? They Rarely don't do. always. A lot of them fall short. Oh, this whole night, man, one good fight out of 10, whatever. You know? And so at the end of the day, to keep the UFC this monster kind of entity and engine it is, it needs Dana White. He's the whole thing. And as I mentioned last week when we talked about it, this isn't a sport where you take the family and get them around the television set. This isn't a, this is a, no. you know, hang out with the the, the, the boys, high male testosterone, drink beer, drink. And, and watch guys Fight. beat the hell out of each other. And so, you know, um, it's sold that way. And, and I knew he was going to slide off of this, even if the video would have been a little even worse or clearer or more. He would have walked. And then Stephen A. Smith did exactly what the whole entity, television, UFC, all of it needed for it to continue 
and be as popular as it is. And they'll just sweep it, sweep it, sweep it. And they won't call out Dana White for the wing finger wag. And he did. Um, and everybody will say he's a great guy. And he never does. This is unlike him. It's so funny. Right. Because he is the sport. That's why. I just think that in a in, in a situation where due to the NFL's popularity, more people, it becomes more visible. But I've always argued you should expect far more from the owners than you do the players. Because there are no 22-year-old owners. Mm-mm. There are no 18-year-old owners. There are no owners receiving generational wealth for the first time and trying to cope with having that much money after having nothing for 17, 18 years of their life. Like we ask so much of these young athletes every single day on how to behave and how to do this and how not to do this. But these owners who are all rich, who are all educated, who are all affluent, we ask very little of them. We we literally ask the owners just don't get caught. That's literally what we ask the owners. Don't get right. caught. Robert Kraft, don't get caught. Jim Mercy, don't get caught. Mark Cuban, don't get caught. Uh, 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 Robert Sarver, don't get caught. We just, we, we just ask them, don't get caught. That's it. Uh, Daniel Snyder, don't get caught. Jerry Jones, don't get caught. Like I could keep going. We just asked the owners, don't get caught. And they still find themselves in positions where Jerry Richardson and Robert Sarver where they had to sell their team due to racism or sexual behavior. Like, I, I don't know what more has to happen for this to get any attention. And we've spent more on it than anyone else has. But I will tell you this. At some point, it will all come to light, and we will all have to face what we've all accepted. I'm John Browner. That's Jason Lawhead. We'll see y'all on the other side. Peace.